Welcome to this week's edition of Tuesdays with Torah with Rabbi Mayor Bodner. Every week we'll explore some Torah values that will help us grow, understand, and be more successful in our lives and relationships. We try to hone in on subjects and ideas that are not readily known or available and explore and enlighten them through our Torah scholars of past and present to get a better understanding of what the Torah wants from us and how we can greatly enhance our lives, goals, and relationships with others and Hashem. We welcome your comments and suggestions and we'll try to incorporate them in our show. Here's Rabbi Bodner. Hope you enjoy. Shalom Aleichem. Welcome everybody. Tuesdays with Taira. A very special Purim uh, edition. Yeah, we really should have a Lachaim here, but uh, a lot of you have to drive. So I, uh, I'd rather be uh, safe than sorry here. So no Lachaims till uh, Friday afternoon. Okay. Um, so tonight's share is, uh, is sponsored by Hill Glucksman. Uh, for himself. He's having a procedure tomorrow. Hillel ben Miriam Shasa Dvasha. He should have a, a Hatzlacha. The Rav should uh, guide the doctors in the surgery. It should go well tomorrow morning. And uh, he should have uh, a long, healthy, wealthy, happy, Shalom Dika, Teire Dika, Nachas Dika, Children Dika life. Amen. And also by our very own Daniel Frank. Very nice of him for a Rufur Shalem Lechoyle Amcha. The whole uh, Klai Yisrael, very nice as well. Um, we should all have a Tzlacha and Shkoyach for their sponsorship. Okay, so we're getting into Perm and let's talk about the essence. What's going on? What's Perm? What do we do for it? How do we connect the Perm? What's the, uh, what's the essence of it? And I have some amazing things that I'd love to share with you. Um, okay, so first of all, the Medrash med- that says, so we just had Parsha Zachar read very well. By, by the way, Shkoyach, everybody who came to that Shabbaton was amazing, beautiful, and very, very, very special. Yes, so at the Shabbaton, one of the things that we had was we laid Parsha Zachar. I don't know if you, we realized how many times we read it. We read it how many times? About four. Because we read it yeah. first two times. Ta- no, you're right, I'm sorry. We Six read it times. once, and then the Sephardic way, and then... And then Mincha, before Mincha. Oh, in the dining room. And then, yeah, the one that that guys took upstairs to, to the people that... This was Shabbos Okay, yes, yes, this is Shabbos Zacher. And that's the essence of it. Like, people cared for each other, and they took the Torah up to the room for the, for the couple. Yeah, you was by you also. Okay, um, it's not you, because I saw you by Davini, I think. Um, okay, so um, Lamaisa as follows. So what do we say? We say, what, what do we say? it's such a derisive, what is the big deal about Amalek? Let bygones be guy. leave it alone, that happened how many years ago? Why is it? And then we still have that. It's a derisa. The only laning that's a derisa. It's something that we have to do. And it's a mitzvah of Torah to kill them. Because the Medrash says that Mordechai, when Mordechai sent Esther a message, he said, you know who? He said, Karo, Asher Karo Baderech. He said, Karo had come against the Yidden. He called them Kara. It happened. Happened came against the Yidden. He says, this is another name for Haman. Like we say, Asher Karcha Baderech, that's what we read. And um, that is 
happened by chance. So what was the essence of, Avra, of uh, Amalek was that they say everything is by chance. They believe, by the way, their belief, if there is a belief um, for Hashem, they believe that there was a God that was created, but God left. And so you might as well enjoy the world that he created. Yeah, they give him credit. Thank you. Thank you, Amalek. I appreciate it. Nice. Uh, Hashem says, I appreciate it. You know, I'm dead many years, but I appreciate the, at least the credit for the world. Um, but, but you might as well eat, drink, and be merry. Therefore, tomorrow you shall die. That's an American saying. And basically, America has sort of the same... The real American has that same philosophy. Right? Eat, you ever heard that? you heard that. What? The left. Yes, that's eat, drink, uh, the left. It's the right also. It's, 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 uh, there's no... There's no party lines. Um, I, you know, so that, that is so important to get rid of that, that that's, that's why we have to keep on, we have to destroy the Amalek. This is, uh, somebody that comes that are religious and that's not our beliefs, they'll even kill us, but there is a belief. There's still a God. It's the wrong one, but there's a belief. When you're indoctrinated and trying to teach that there is no, there is no God, it's by chance, then that is very dangerous, and that's worse than death, because that's eternal death, if you get to that, that point. Um, and a beautiful vart is that when we have Vayikra, uh, Vayikra is a little aleph, right? Because Vayikra va- can be read two ways, right? And the same Vayikra, Marisha, and when Bilam was called, it's Vayakar, without the aleph. Like, what's the difference? There's Mikra, and Mikra. Why? What's the difference? Because Vayikra is, is calling, and Vayakar is, is by chance. It happened. It just it happened. Mikra is, it just happened. Something happened. And that's, yeah, it just, it just, you know, coincidence. That's a coincidence. And that's why, uh, that's why there's a Vayikra by, by, uh, by when Bilam was called, Hashem, yeah, he just happened to meet God. You know, like nothing is, nothing is, Nothing is planned, nothing is pre-planned, nothing is destined, it's just happened. So, so and Vayikra, when Moshe is called, he, Hashem wanted to tell him, no, we are every single thing that happened, every blade of grass, and every single thing that happened from the beginning of time till now is all predestined, is all, all, all happening with the Yad of Hashem. And that's why there's a little Aleph, because sometimes that little Aleph, it's there, it's Hashem's voice, it's hard to hear. It's hard to see that, that it's all coming from Hashem because we're living in such a crazy world, crazy difficult times. So that little alpha is to realize, wait, somebody's calling. And that is what the point of Purim is, is because the point of Purim is, is to realize that. That's why we say, Esther, Menatari, Menai, who cares where Menatari, Esther happened... Esther happened so much after the Torah. How could Esther be in the Torah? But the Gemara still asks the question. Esther men Torah menayim. And the Gemara answers, Why? It's, I'm going to hide her face. No, it's going to be said, it's predestined in the Torah. There's going to be a time. After Yitzhiz Mitzrayim. Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, we're going to see Hashem Begoli. We're going to see Kriyas Yamsuf. We're going to see the Ten Makas. We're going to see all the Nisan that happened in Harsinai. The lights, the light show, the sound, lights, voice. Noise, right? Thunder, lightning. But later on, so it's all obvious. We can see, but later on, it's going to be hostile. It's going to be hidden, and that's going to take a lot of more work. 
Hashem showed it to us like a lightning, and now it's our job to open our own eyes and see what's going on. Wait, this has just happened by chance. This happened by chance. No, that's our job is to see. Put it all together. Sit down. Write it down. You'll see our lives. We'll see that these are not chance. There's, and you put together all the probabilities of meeting this person at this time, and thus creating this, this relationship, this job, this uh, situation, and everything that happens in our lives, we have to see it. So the story is of uh, very similar to the story of Perm. Sometimes we don't see it. The story happened in the 1952. It was after the war. And Stalin was also happened to be very, very superstitious. Very much, very much like, uh, like you know, Haman was. And, 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 and anyway, so what happened was he planned all the uh, programs and things also around... Um, around times that he thought were, you know, good times to get against the Yidden. Anyway, so what happened was, he had a grand plan, you know, you could, you could look at this up, because this is, this is documented. They found the documents in, um, later on, in, in 1999, I believe it was, and then later on they found different documents, that this was his plan. He was going to destroy all the Jews that were left in, in, in Russia, Hitler did a good job on, on the rest of the, the world, the rest of the Eastern Europe, and Europe. He was going to take care of now Russia. And he built, he started a building. It was plans to build four, like, camps. And what he was going to do is, uh, his hands would be clean, he would ship them up, without it, very, very little provisions, up to the Siberian camp. So he built four more camps. And he's going to take the, the, the 2 million, 3 million remaining Jews that were in, in Russia in, and ship them up and let them, let them die of starvation, of cold, of uh, malnutrition. Let them die up there themselves, you know, sort of themselves. But that was his plan. So there was a man who was a big tzaddik, his name is Rabbi Yitzhak Zilber, and he was at the time in Siberia. So one like a day like today, a couple of days before Purim, he read to the prisoners. They all sat around that night, and he took out, he had a Megillah left, and he took out the Megillah, and he read the Megillah, and he told over the story in his mother language to all the prisoners. And the prisoners, understandably, were bitter, and they said, what are you telling us what God does? That was 2,500 years ago. God's not well, looking at us now, she says, we, we're privy to the plans, what's going on. We hear what's going on. We see that our, our camp that's being built next to us, triple, quadrupled, and they're building train tracks to bring more trains in, the Jews. Tell that to, to Stalin, you know, that Hashem's going to, yeah, you know, he's going to be the final, final one to wipe out the Eden. So he said, I'm telling you, it was in those days, but it's in, that, in our days too. Hashem is with the, same, the same miracle of Purim. Happens. Thirty minutes after he spoke, um, Stalin was having an uh, argument, a parliament meeting, and they were actually arguing about this plan, one of the plans. And there were oppositions, and he and he fell down in a fit of rage. He was, and they just they thought that he was just angry that there were people that weren't with his plan, and and they they just took him to the hospital to to rest up, to regain his strength. But really, there was something else. There was something that we, they don't know why he, but two days later, he, he fell into a coma, and five days later, he was dead. And as soon as, the, as soon as he was dead, 
the other side, the other party, the right wing, um, had a chance. They dismantled the tracks. They they ripped up the decrees. They took they took all the people. He was let out of, of jail. This Rabbi Zilber, uh, Zilber wrote a book called "To Remain a Jew." It's in English. It's a uh, it's available, and he writes his, his, uh, a little bit about this in his book. But the, the story of Perm is happening. It happened then, it's happening, it happened later on, it's happening later. So, what's it all about? Perm is to realize that, um, that these things that just happen to happen around us are, are not per chance, they're not just happen, they're not per chance. Another amazing story, the amazing story is is that um, there was a story of somebody by the name, you probably know this, David knows this usually, but there was a young man who grew up in the Lower East Side, okay, but way before your time, way before your, your parents' time uh, also. His name was Eddie Jacobson. Yeah, he knows it. I can't. I can't. I might as well turn it over to him. He knows. Yes. So they had. They were. They were. He grew up with his parents, and they moved to Kansas City. Um, his father got a job over there, um, and nice Jewish kid, but not religious at all. Um, but they, his parents, got a job in Kansas City. He moved there, and he changed over his school to somewhere in Kansas, and he made a friend over there, and this friend. Um, they were good friends, and they they were friends, and then they decided to go to the army together. They went to college together, and then when they came back after army and college, they decided they're going to do a business together, and they opened up a, a hat dashery. Those days, everybody wore hats, you know, the fedoras and the uh, now who, who wears hats now? But they opened up the hat business, and for some reason, Hashem's plan was that uh, they shouldn't make it. They didn't make it, but they had it for a few years, and uh, Eddie. They realized it wasn't going good. They had to close up. And Eddie went on to become a, a traveling clothes sales, salesman. And uh, his friend actually went to a totally different direction. His friend's name, by the way, was none other than Harry Truman. And he, of course, as we know, went into politics and finally became the president of the United States. At that time, they were... Um, Chaim Weitzman, it was also similar time of the last year, that they were putting together the um, or maybe a little earlier, 1948, um, they, there was a man by the name of Chaim Weitzman who was putting together the, uh, he was putting together the, the uh, Jewish state of Israel. Now, the, uh, the State Department strongly advised a bunch of anti-Semites and like all of them, they strongly advised everybody to to not to listen to this, this Chaim Weitzman, to condone Israel, not to allow a state, and not to give any aid, and not to help in any such way, not to, not to recognize it, make it very, very hard for them. So, um, the, all the Rabbanim tried every single way to get an audience with the, uh, with the president, but to no avail. They said, no, nobody. Finally, they remembered, ah, his, his childhood friend, Eddie Jacobson, they, they, the Rabbanim called him up, and the Askanim, and they told him, Klai Yisrael needs you, the Jew, your people, your Jewish people need you. He says, of course I'm going to go. There was no question in his mind. You see people who have no, nothing, no, but they have that strong, he says, that's my friend, I'm going to do whatever it takes, of course. He, he calls up the White House, he says, I want to speak to my friend, Harry Truman. 
they tried blocking the call, but he kept on calling, and he in, and he heard that he was calling, and they he says I, he says of course how can I not meet my friend my childhood friend my my business partner, so he picks up the phone he goes Eddie what's what's going on he says, and I'm coming in I got to speak to you he says I would love to see you on on the um, but the uh, deal is, you could tell me and speak about anything, but you can't speak about Chaim Weitzman. He says, I'm coming to see you. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes down, and he, sa- and he meets him, and he says, Eddie, my good friend, they sp- speak for 15, 20 minutes. And he says, okay, remember what our deal was. How can I help you? And Eddie Jacobson starts to cry. And he cries like a baby. And he says, what's the matter, Eddie, my friend? What are you, what's so bad? What's going on? So he says, he points to a statue. He had a statue. He says, who's that? Eddie, what, who's, you know who that is. He says, no, no, who's that? He says, that's Andrew Jackson. He says, why, you, why is he in your office with the, the bust? And the, he says, I, I like it. I want it in my office. What do you mean? He says, is that your hero? He says, yeah, 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 that's, that is my hero. He says, I have a hero too. He says, who's your hero? Chaim Weitzman. He says, and I came here for my hero. I have a hero. It means means so much to me. All he wants to do is have a meeting with you. Why can't you meet him? He goes, you know what? For friends, of course I'll meet him. I'll I'll do anything for you, Eddie. And we all know the rest of the story. Chaim uh, Chaim Weitzman won him over. His sincerity, his his honesty, his his, his, uh, dedication, right? Whatever you say about him, that's, uh, that's... He's dedicated, and he met, he won him over. And of course, the rest of the story was without his he he uh, backed Israel to the fullest against the uh, recommendation of the state, the right wing, the left wing, bipartisan, everyone. He backed the state, and the state was able to happen. This is because all these things happened. Punked, you know. And so everyone looked at it. Wow, we met his friends and this and that. No, but we as Yidden and the the the. The idea and the lesson of Purim is to look and see, well, how Hashem put a, a kid that grew up in the east side to come move. His father had to get a job to come move to Kansas to uh, have, you know, have something to make friends with this, this kid who was nothing at the point. And everything, everything is planned by Hashem and, and, and we, we have to see that. Another thing about Purim is, is that uh, what happened was Esther was asked... She was told to please go into the king. Now, we all have to understand what the sacrifice was. The sacrifice of Esther was that, till now, she was, according to the Mandarum, that she was the wife of Mordechai. Until now, she was forced by Esther, so, uh, by Achishverosh. So she never had relations outside of her marriage, and she, was, oh, she used to sneak back and go back to Mordechai. She still married him, 100% legal. Um, a woman that goes out of the marriage is not allowed to be married anymore. And what happened was, when she was requested to go in voluntarily to the king, then she knew that she would not be us, she would be us to Mordechai. I, f- I feel so bad about it every time I think about it, because she loved her husband and she, that was her life, right? She didn't want to be queen. She, this was her life. She didn't want to live with this Shalai uh, Sani guy, right? So, this was her life, and she had to give up her life. She gave up her life. So we all partied in Israel, in Israel afterwards, the base of Migdash. We broke her bonus, carbon Pesach coming up. You know, we did. We, meanwhile, she was stuck. 
as a prisoner in the palace. Yeah, she had a few bucks, you know, she had some nice, but she was living with this guy for the rest of her life and she, with no with, with no chance of, of returning. So everybody returned to Israel, but she didn't. So anyway, so that's why she resisted. That's why it's so hard for her. She realized that this was it. This is the whole, this was it. So what did what Mordechai say to him? He says, no, listen to me. Who knows if this is the time that you are chosen. This is why you were born. This is the chance. And this is why everything happened that happened. And you, your chance to shine and to save the whole Jewish nation is in your hands. He says, don't worry. If you don't do it, Hashem has no shortage of people and, and ways to, to bring salvation to the Jews. He doesn't need you. She doesn't need you, but you know what He's giving you? He's giving you an opportunity. So it's all about opportunities. You have the opportunity of a lifetime to go and be the one that forever in history saved the Jewish people and saved them and saved the base of Migdash and brought it back to life. And you have that opportunity. So you want to blow it? It's your choice. But it's an opportunity. And that's what Purim is about. A lot of times we have the opportunity to do things and we say... 105 reasons why we shouldn't. And they're all correct. And 100% they're right. But we lost the opportunity. Why we shouldn't do this and why we shouldn't do that. Why we can't do this. Why it's not for us to do this. But many times in our lives, Hashem is giving up us opportunity. He tells us, listen, you don't got to do it. I'll, I'll get it done for somebody else. You want to help that person. You want to do that. You want to... You want to smile at somebody, you want to bring somebody up, you want to learn with somebody, you want to help them, you want to give them stucco, you want to bring them in. You can do it. If you don't do it, I'll get somebody else to do it. But here's an opportunity. Hashem is giving us opportunity. And that's what Purim is about. We have to realize, what do we want to be? Do we want to be uh, just who we are until now? Or do we want to be a queen or a king? Depending if you're... Male or female, okay? It's got to stay that way. So that's, that's what it's about. You know, and, and, and the amazing story of, I don't know if David knows this, uh, the name, what does the name Victor Frankl mean to you? What? Yes, very good, very good. A young guy, too. wow. Very good. So Victor Frankl was actually non-religious. Uh, non-religious, right. Very, very good book. The Meaning of Life, I believe it's called. Man's Search for Meaning, correct. Yes, I've read some of it. So, yeah, I know. These guys are good. Anyway, so um, Victor Frankl was a, 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 not, not a religious, but a, a devoutly uh, Jewish person. And he was a psychiatrist or psychologist that went into uh, the uh, Holocaust and he was in Auschwitz. And he pondered his existence over there and he realized that if I'm here, God wants me, and I'm a psychiatrist or psychologist here in Auschwitz. There's a reason, there's a master plan, and I don't know what Hashem wants from us, but Hashem wants me to do. So I can either just be like everybody else and try to just just remain alive and, and fight the fight of life every single day, or I can go and find, find meaning in my life and try to give other people meaning, and that's exactly what he did. He looked for people that were despondent, that looked like, you know, you could see that look in the eyes, and he knew, as a psychologist, they were done. In a day or two, they're gone. Because once you lose that hope, you lose that spark in your eye, you're just, you, you just, you're gone. 
It's a matter of time. And he went over to those people, and he worked with them. And he, whenever time he had to work with them, you know, between... Uh, but he gave them purpose in their lives. And he talked to them, and he saved many people that way. And he used his psychology, he used his God gift, his gift of... And the perchance happening that he just was a psychologist. And he took the opportunity in this terrible purgatory of a place called Auschwitz. And he brought himself up by being able to bring other people up. And he survived the war with flying cars. He's able to write many, many books about it and, and learn many psychological lessons from it. And that's because he saw the opportunity. He saw that little Aleph by the Vayikra. And he used that. And he heard the calling of Hashem. He said, if I'm here, I'm here for a reason. It's an opportunity. So Hashem will save them in some other way. But I have the opportunity to do it. I have the skills. I have the ability. I'm going to pull myself out of it and do it. And it was a, it's an amazing, um, amazing story that that's, that's you know, how, how people can do that. So there's still people that have relatives who thought they were still alive to give them hope. Mm-hmm. He had different ways of giving them hope. But, but that was the point. The point was he gave them purpose in their lives. He gave, Without purpose, you know, why should I live? It's too difficult. Right? Like my... Um, <laughs> my daughter, who's, who wrote a book, uh, plug plug, for uh, in the house. My my mother-in-law, similar similar story. My my daughter, Chama, wrote a, a book um, on. Um, it's called The Redhead from Auschwitz. It's not printed yet, but uh, she's looking for a uh, fascinating book. Uh, looking for a publisher, actually. Yes, if anyone knows of anybody, you can email email me Mayer Bod M E Y E R B O D at gmail dot com. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful book. It's I don't know if it's for our scroll. It's more you know for the general public. But yeah, it's about my it's about my um, about my mother-in-law who's just had a birthday, ninety-five years old. So she posted on her Instagram. She had a picture of her and my mother-in-law. And uh, my mother-in-law, ninety-five-year-old woman. She's Kanina Har, beautiful inside and out. And um, she posted a little clip about her. And she says, this is my grandmother, who today is 95 years old. I love her. She's like my best friend. And she said that um, my Bobby, 77 years ago, when she was an 18-year-old girl, she was in Auschwitz. And she was in the work camps. And all her friends said, we're going we're go- we're to go straight to heaven. We're not scared of death because we're going to go to heaven. And she turned to them and says, she said to them, you can all go to heaven, but I'm going home. She says, I'm, Hashem doesn't want me to go to heaven. Hashem wants us to go home. And she survived the war. And here she is with, who knows how many, with an uncountable amount of enikloch, uh, ear enikloch. And uh, she's still as smart and sharp and, 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 and witty as, as everything. A lot of you have met her. Um, so, so that's yeah, and that's because and, and she was there and she helped and her her a lot of a lot of her story was was you know being there helping giving a little inspiration to other people and that's and that brings you out and that was the opportunity that's uh, that people had some people took the opportunity and became ugly um, and that's understandable they became capos for a little bit more bread she writes about that in her book and others are they took the opportunity and they grew and they gave they broke off and the people that made it were the people that broke off that piece of bread and they gave it around, their, their little tiny piece of bread. Half of it, they saw somebody who was starving more than them and they gave it off. And those are the ones that made it, not the ones that, not the ones that hoarded their bread and, and, and died it within their mouth. So 
That's the opportunity Hashem gives us. I want to end with this final amazing, amazing story I heard from Rabbi Yisrael Youngreis. He said that, um, it's not a story, it's, it's history. It's an amazing, amazing history. That, so we know that Haman picked a day. He's very superstitious. And Haman always will be superstitious. And he picked a day of, of um, Moshe's, Moshe's death. He figured, ah, the day of his death is a, is a participant's day to make a bad thing happen to Klai Yisrael. He didn't know that it's her birth, birth also. So birthdays are very important, by the way, and they're very powerful. So somebody has a birthday, Hebrew birthday, you, give, you have the power to give brachas. So, and there's also a power of Kayach in that day. So Moshe Rabbeinu's birthdays, <laughs> you picked the wrong day, buddy. But um, he, he learned through everything, and he picked that day. So the same thing later on, many years later, his great-grandchildren... The, the Nazis, Yimach Shemam they were also very, very superstitious. And there was a person in the Nazi regime, and his, he was the architect of when they think should happen. His name was Julius Streicher. Julius Streicher, um, he wrote, actually, he wrote for the, for the Strummer. That was the, uh, the left-wing uh, propaganda of, of, the, of the Nazi party. And he was very, very learned, and he learned, you know, Tyra and everything like that, and he, he knew a lot of things, and he used to pick days when they used to have programs, when they used to uh, gather the, the Jews and ship them off to Auschwitz, the days in the, in the, in the gas chambers. So he, he picked a lot of the days where, where Tishabov, around Tishabov, when they did actual transports to, or, and, and um, when they rounded everybody up to go to the concentration camps. Um, so what happened was and, and everything was that was marked down it was very methodical how it was done which days and they stayed away from, from, from Purim they stayed away from holiday you know they didn't do things those days because so what happened was of course Baruch Hashem man, many years later so the, if you look at the Megillah you'll see an amazing thing and it's not only in the, in the regular Megillah it's also in a Chumash also. You see, when they hung the ten sons of Haman, right, before that, okay, before, they, before that, there's a very strange saying in, in the Megillah. After they hung the ten sons of, of Haman, uh, Esther goes uh, to the king, and, and she asks the king of, or also for another Bakasha. So, when it, we know that whenever it says in the Megillah HaMelech, what is it? Hashem. Hashem, right? So it says, and the Melech answered her, Gamachar yitain, and for Haman, for I'm going to do the same thing Machar. Now, what am I going to do the same thing Machar? Haman, you can't hang the kids again. Haman's kids were Haman and his kids were dead already. I mean, then you can't. Were well, you going to hang them again? Gamachar, Gamachar. What does it mean, Gamachar? So the key to the answer lies in these three little letters. These three little letters that ha- that are when the ten sons. Were, were killed in the Megillah. The three little letters that are there are Tuf, Shin, um, um, Zion. Tuf, Shin, Zion. Okay? Tuf, Shin, Zion. Tuf, Shin, Zion comes... Okay? So that's those, those Tuf, Shin, Zion. Now, many years later, right, in, actually in October of 1946... Okay, so remember, so we had to have a macher. Hashem says, macher, I'm going to hang the Haman, the ten sons of Haman. What is the next thing? So macher always means a later time. So, fast forward to October 1946. What was then? Very good, the Nuremberg Trials. The Nuremberg Trials was where they found the Nazis. 
the Nazis were brought to, to trial. They were all found very, very guilty. And how many were hung? Ten. Ten, correct. Ten sons. The ten sons of Haman were hen- hung again. Machar. The next day. Tomorrow. They were hung again that day. In, that day is tough Shin Zion comes out to, well, not October, but 1946. And that's the marker right after Hashem says, Marker, I'm going to hang them. It's there in the Megillah. No, you can't make this up. Those letters are there. Machar is tough Shin Zion, Nuremberg trials, October 1946. Okay. Story doesn't end. The last person that was hung was none other than, yeah, Julia Streicher. <laughs> we got him last number 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 not, number ten. He was there. Now this is documented. It was on on the cover of Newsweek, and he did a very very strange thing. So remember that that he was very superstitious, and because he's superstitious, and he hated the so much, he learned through the Torah. He believed a lot of things, but yet he killed the Hashem's people. What? Okay, it doesn't have to make sense. The hatred Hashem puts the hatred in for a reason. But anyway, what happened was he knew Torah. He knew he knew stuff. Okay, so he said the last words before they put the noose on him. He said four things. First, he said, "Hail Hitler!" Thank you. Yeah, look at Hitler's hail. Yeah, great. Yeah, look, look what he's doing. Okay, uh, and then he said the strangest thing, which nobody understands, but we we all do now. He said, "Perm fest." Nineteen. Per, it wasn't perm. It was October. October is after uh, Sukkot, right? Right. Whatever. Around that time, he screamed out. Purimfest, documented. Purimfest, 1946. Because he knew what was supposed to have, what was the promise of Purim. He knew that there were supposed to be ten sons of Haman. He saw it so clearly. He saw that the promise of Purim that Hashem gave was actually happening and he was part of the story. Now, he, he didn't die very well. Um, he, um, uh, yeah, he, it was a terrible death. He um, he actually didn't die right away. He was it was his yeah yeah. It was there was there was there was blood all over his face. He was it, it took him many an uh, uh, ordinary amount of time. Yeah, big big guy should have been fast because the weight. But it was he had he died a miserable death. It was a well, long was time, nice. and uh, and he he died like like because of the architect. He died different than everybody else. You know you see that there. And he was much, much more of a rush. He did much more. But uh, we see clearly. We see Purim happen then. It, hap- it happened again. It happened Macher. And it happens in our lives. The story of Purim keeps on happening. We just have to see it. That's our job, this Purim, is to look at our lives, see the Hashkacha Pratias, and take the opportunity, because that's what Hashem wants from us. Have a wonderful, amazing Purim. We should have, remember, Purim is Ace Ratzon for Tefillah. Everything that you can happen. is referring to Hashem. Whatever, whoever reaches out his hand, Hashem gives him. We should have the Brachan Atzlacha. See you.